0: Last week, we ended at a stopping point in Acts 2, but we didn't finish Acts 2, because there's still more to go in Acts. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, all those numbers and chapter marks were put in there way after it all happened. So theoretically, you would read through this, and the way the story is told by... Pentecost happening and the Holy Spirit being poured out on all the believers and all sorts of people repenting and turning to believe in Jesus and 3,000 new Christians 3,000 people uh, there's another another spot that says 3,000 souls so just emphasizing the, the eternal weight of that were added to them and then it gives a little description of how they all came together and, and how they lived and how some people sold their property and gave all the money and, and um, everybody shared everything. And then some people lied about that and God struck them dead, like Old Testament numbers style. And then right after that, it says, this is Acts 2.42, Acts 2.42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So this is just a little kind of montage glimpse of what life was like in the early church. This is what this is what their life looked like. Because Jesus died, there was a really sad couple days. Jesus came back from the dead. Things were really exciting. Jesus was popping up and showing up. And they were still trying to... I mean, Peter was still fishing after Easter, but before Pentecost. Peter was still going out fishing. Remember that? So then Jesus says, Stay here till power comes upon you. And he ascends to heaven and he disappears in a cloud. Ten days later... They're doing what they know to do. Let's get together and let's pray and let's worship God. And it's Pentecost, so it's a feast day and it's a holy day and there's all kinds of people traveling. Let's celebrate Pentecost because we are Jewish. This is what they're they're thinking, right? They're They're not thinking we're leaving Judaism behind and now we're doing a new thing. They just think they're Jewish and this is the continuation of being Jewish. Then the Holy Spirit comes down. All sorts of people hear God speaking to them. They hear great works of God spoken in their own languages. 3,000 people get saved. And then all those people, after the holiday, go back to their homes. So now, God is spreading the gospel to all these different nations. Um, I think I mentioned this last week. Last Sunday, there were at least three there were four churches that I know of that were all preaching on Pentecost last Sunday. (laughs) And I talked to some of those guys this week and they did not know that all the other churches were, and we were all like, what's going on? It's exciting. And they're still, some of them are, two of them are still doing it this week. So now the church is like, okay, now how do we live? Now what do we do? Because we've, we preached to all these people that went out all over the place. They all left. We still have all these people that are here that are Christians. We're, some of us are kind of in conflict with some other Jewish family members or Jewish public people because to say the Messiah has come is really radical, different kind of language, different kind of talk. And so here's how they live. They get together. They listen to the apostles. Peter, tell me again about the time you walked on water. Peter, tell me again about that guy that had a whole legion of demons in him. What happened? And so all the apostles are retelling these stories, retelling these stories. And more and more people are coming to hear, oh, wow. Some of them are hearing it for the first time. Some of them are grabbing somebody. Do you remember that guy that, all that hubbub. This is a dude that taught from that learned from him. He was their rabbi. Let's go hear more stories from him. And then they would go and they would talk more and more. They would d- devote themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship. This this is a funny word, this fellowship word. Um, some translations might actually translate it church, which is still messed up. Um, it is the, the being together. So they devoted themselves to the state of all of us being together. You know how um, this probably happened to you? You have that holiday and all of a sudden it's the first holiday that the family structure isn't the same as it always was. Either somebody brings a girlfriend or somebody is away and it's just a little bit... Um, this isn't the right... That is a disruption of this word, the being together. So they devoted themselves to the way we are all together and the way we share life together. That, that's what they dedicated themselves to that, to the breaking of bread. This is remembering the last supper, remembering Jesus's Passover whenever we get together and eat and it's more than praying before you eat. And it's more than making sure you have a, a little bread and juice, you know, at church. It, it was, you know, we're going to get together and we're going to eat. And we're just really going to celebrate that Jesus really did eat with a bunch of us. And he loved eating with a bunch of us. And he did great things. And, and we're going to let that color the whole meal. I heard about um, a new kind of church. That always cracks me up. Whenever I hear people say that, I just, I'm like, it's 2021, people. But there's a new kind of church that's getting popular, and it's called Dinner Church. And it sounds awesome. And I'm like, sign me up. Bring, order the fried chicken. Um, and people sit at tables, and they all come together, and they sit at the tables, and they sing their songs. And then they sit down, and you've got one person at every table that has sort of like a sermon, sort of like a cool thing to share. And everybody that sits at that table, it's kind of like having a Bible study. It's kind of like having a a group discussion or something. And they call it dinner church. Here it is in Acts 2. It ain't new. (laughs) They devote themselves to this every day. Day after day, all the time. Breaking of bread and prayers they prayed together i think i said this the first week in acts over and over in acts you're going to see a pattern of the god's people being in unity with each other right this fellowship they're going to be in unity they're going to pray and then there's going to be a miracle a, a move of power. Something is going to happen over and over. So, when you see people in Acts, and all of a sudden there's some kind of unity that happens that wasn't there before, like they're sharing all their stuff, and they it'll mention that they will pray, watch out, because something miraculous is about to happen. Awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. There it is. I think was it last week we talked about um, Peter's shadow would fall on people and his shadow would hit them and they would be healed. There were there were all kinds of miracles happening. They were all together. They had all things in common. So this is funny. Luke is writing to mainly a Greek, a, a Roman audience. And there are places where Luke will quote the Old Testament but when he quotes the old testament he quotes the greek translation of the old testament and not the hebrew and sometimes he quotes the hebrew but it's really deliberate when he quotes the greek old testament the greek translation of the old testament and it's really fun when he does that but this whole business of having everything in common was like a it was like an ideal of roman culture that we would all share everything like they were like the original communists, okay? This ideal state of no one owning anything for themselves and we all just share everything. When Luke describes this, he describes it with one twist that the Greeks would not have liked, that would not have fit with them. They were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing all the proceeds as any had in need. They were breaking bread in their homes. They received food with glad and generous hearts. It was not a forced sharing of everything. It was not a, oh Jim, that's a nice new truck you have. I could use that to build my fence this afternoon. I'll be over at two. It wasn't forced. It was, oh, I'm moved to do this. Dan, I heard you're building a fence. I want to help you. I'll meet you at home depot at two and it was all generous it was generous sharing it was not forced sharing we also saw this with ananias and sapphira they sold their land they took half the money they gave it to peter they said yep that's what we sold our land for and peter said none of you didn't have to give us any of this you didn't have to give any of this money at all it's all yours you can do with it whatever you want but why are you sinning against the Holy Spirit by lying about how much you're giving? So it was not coerced, it wasn't forced, it wasn't demanded, it wasn't a system of government. It was as they were generous. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. They were, everything was out of generosity. This big thing happened. A group of friends that I was in um, right after college, And we would all hang out and we would do things and we really wanted to do acts two things. And one day we went to Wendy's and this one guy said, I want to buy everybody's food. And there's another person, and I won't say who it was, does what they always do. Oh, you don't have to buy me lunch. I got it. It's okay. And this other guy said, what if from now on as a group, whenever somebody said, I want to buy lunch. Nobody argued. And we just let them do it. Because the person that wants to buy everybody lunch, wants to do it out of their joy. Wants to do it because they love everybody and they want to buy all of them lunch. And so when you stand up in the middle and say, Oh no, you don't have to do that. I'll pay for it myself. You just went on their joy. Right? And we started thinking about that. That's kind of what being generous is. It's, being generous is is more fun for the giver. It's, it's better to give than to receive. I, you know how much fun you get when you when you you know you give the guy on the corner some donuts, and you're like, he's gonna enjoy those donuts a whole lot more than I was gonna enjoy those donuts. And that that whole thing. So that's how they lived, out of generosity. And needless to say, it became so fun with that group of people. Because nobody expected anybody to pay, and you always went thinking you were going to pay. And then all of a sudden, the waitress would come back to the table and be like, it's taken care of. And you knew somebody at the table joyfully and willingly and lovingly bought everybody's food. And sometimes you wouldn't even, you know, they'd do it really good, and they'd pull it off, and you didn't know who did it. And it was just like, oh, wow, I should have gotten steak. no glad and sincere hearts. They're distributing, giving to everybody as they have need. Day by day, attending to the temple together. Day by day. They got together as much as they could. They interacted together as much as they could. They were a community of people that were like, we want to talk about what Jesus did as much as we can. Can we do that? When, when, when can we get together again? And Talk about Jesus! Wow, what what a thing! What what a life! Right? They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. Now that is my favorite thing. Have you ever been somewhere? We'll go back to the restaurant thing. So you're at a restaurant and you look over and there's a table and there are people and they're not obnoxious rowdy, but boy, they are having so much fun and you look over at them and you're like, okay, I, I wanna be with those people. Now I know that there's, uh, you can cross a line and then you're like, okay, we gotta get out of here because those people are driving me crazy. But you've been to the baseball game where you've seen the people cheering and you're like, those people are having fun. You've been to the you know various, pick your place where you spot, and maybe you are those people where you spot those people and you're like, those people, there is such an attraction to that group. They are so doing this thing the way, deep down in my soul, I want to do this thing. That's what they were doing in the temple courts. So think about that for a second. Even if, if we weren't going to argue about, did Jesus really raise from the dead? And they're not going to argue about Jesus breaking the Sabbath. If you come to the temple, you're coming to the temple to interact with Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You you want to grow in your your closeness with God. And there's this crowd of people there. And it it was huge. So there's like sections of it. And you could be in one part of it and not even know there were people over in this other part. But this group that hangs out in this one section is so lively and so... Generous and so full of grace, they're praising God that they have favor with all the people. And the Lord adds to their number day by day those who are being saved. Every day they're there, they're getting together, they're telling stories about Jesus, they're talking about they're free from the law, all their sins have been forgiven. What does that mean? How do we do that? This guy got healed, that guy got healed, this person got restored, this person was forgiven. And people are walking by hearing that and they're just getting roped right in. They're just getting, being pulled into this. They want to be a part of it. So one day, just ignore that big three is there in this section of Acts. This is Acts chapter 3 verse 1. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So they're still going to the temple for daily prayers because they're Jewish. That has not changed. They're still doing those things. Go up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. This is like... uh, Some people, some footnotes will say about three in the afternoon. Um, It's weird for us to say three in the afternoon because we think of that as when school gets out. But... Think through a culture where when it gets dark, you have to shut down because you don't have electricity. So this is culturally for us to think about it. It's like just before dinner. It's you go pray and then you go home and have dinner and then your night's over. So this is end of the day. You're about ready to go home and have dinner kind of time. There's a man that's lame from birth. He has never walked in his life, ever, lame from birth. And he's carried daily, and they lay him at the gate of the temple that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. So when you would um, come and give offerings, some of your offering you could give to poor people outside, and that would count as what you you were giving. You didn't have to give it all right in there in the temple. You could, so there's a poor guy, and he could he could live off of that. Peter directed his gaze. Seeing Peter and John going into the temple, he asked to receive alms. Peter looked at him. John looks at him. Peter says, hey, look at us. <laughs> I think that's such a funny detail. Like, if you've ever been a, around a place where there's a bunch of beggars, and they're all begging together, and, and They're just trying the best they can to make eye contact with somebody to get something. And there's Peter. Hey. And usually when you walk past all these beggars, what are you doing? You're hiding your face. You're trying to not, you know, uh, like when you're sitting at the stoplight and the guy's standing there with the cardboard sign. You're trying to not make eye contact. Peter takes the offensive. Look at me. Hey look at us. He fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, "I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you." Okay, wait, a little pause. This is I read this in a commentary, and I never even noticed it before. About four or five paragraphs ago, they were talking about everybody was selling all of their land and giving all the money to the apostles putting all the money at the disciples feet at the apostles feet and so wouldn't you think that peter would just be absolutely loaded rich guy just with just with the cash right because all these people are selling stuff and giving him all the money look at peter he has nothing i have no silver and gold He is not not getting all of that bankroll that everybody's bringing in. They're distributing it to everybody as have need. Pretty, Pretty interesting. He says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. This guy has never walked before in his life. He's been lame since birth. Immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising God. He is, he is in, in not only the miracle of whatever it was that made him lame, Right? I mean, scientifically, we know so much more about the spine. We still don't know a whole lot of stuff. But whatever happened biologically was fixed. His legs had to be strong enough. If you've ever had a cast on anything, you know how weak and tiny your limbs become inside that cast. So his legs were tiny, they had to be strengthened enough to lift him balance if you've ever seen anybody under one, you know that learning how to walk is a task right He is already walking so that miracle has happened and he's leaping. Uh, we have a, a lady I work with and she broke her, like her leg and her ankle and her hip and um, she's not allowed to walk on dirt because dirt is uneven and her her footing isn't steady enough. She can only walk on concrete. It's like, that miracle has all happened to this guy. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Leaping up, he enters the temple with them, walking, leaping, praising God. So on the one scene, you've got all the other believers that may have beat John and Peter, or yeah, Peter and John, there that are there and they see those guys walking in. They're happy to see him anyway because they love to be together. They want to be together, talk about Jesus every day. and who are oh, look who they're coming in with. Because that's the other thing you know how you kind of recognize these people on the various corners with the God bless sign that are begging, you kind of know them because they're always on this corner and always on that corner. Everybody knew this guy. Everybody knew he was lame from birth. Everybody knew him. We don't know how old he was, but we know how long he's been there. They've all seen him. So everybody sees Peter and John and that guy. What? All the people saw him walking and praising God, recognized him as the one who sat by the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. So remember I said they're the whole group of people and they're doing their thing and everybody is looking at them and they like that group and they want to be a part of that, but sometimes maybe not. Now everybody sees James and, or Peter and John walking in with this crippled guy that's not crippled and he's jumping. And he's holding on to Peter, but it doesn't seem like he's holding on to Peter to be stable. It's more about, ah! right? That's the scene. All the people, while he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. This is where they were in the temple. So all these people gather around really quick. A crowd forms just like that. Another miracle has happened. And this is a big one, because everybody knows that guy's been there. I mean, different people would probably carry him. There's probably a whole system worked up of how to get in there of other people caring for him, that kind of thing. And they all gather around, gosh, I spent too much time talking about all that other stuff, but that's okay. (laughs) One time uh, we were passing out peppermints on Green River Road. And we're passing out peppermints on Green River Road to all these high school kids, and they're all, they got bandanas on their heads and they're trying to be uh, gangster people And they're trying to be really tough because the high school they go to makes them wear ties and have short cut hair. I won't mention what school it was, but then on Friday night they would burst out and they'd all have their bandanas on and say as many cuss words as they could and try to be cool. And we would go and give them peppermints and they would say, why are you giving us peppermints? And we'd say, because God loves you a whole bunch and we need an excuse to come tell you that. And it's just easy to hand out peppermints. I mean, we were just blunt. And, um, so we're, you know, talking to this guy and I'm talking to this guy and, and there would be maybe six of us guys that would do this. And some people thought we were the police and that we were trying to walk around the crowd and see what, you know, what were these kids doing? What were they up to? And we're like, we're not with the police and all that stuff. And. I go up to this guy, and and he's like, so what are you doing here if you guys aren't the police? And I said, we're here to tell you how much Jesus loves you. Well, I didn't know this guy was like the leader. And he says, hey, y'all, this guy's here to tell us about God. And this whole crowd, maybe 50 boys and their girlfriends, all turn around from Green River Road, and they face me. And then they all come just a little bit closer, and it's like, okay, tell us. What are you going to say? And it was scary and it was intimidating and it was awesome because this is exactly what we wanted in the whole deal. Every time I see or read through this kind of thing, like Peter, this guy's clean. Peter, Peter knows that God loves this guy. God cares about this poor guy that's begging. He is not wanting to exploit this guy so that he could get a message out to all these people. And he looks at him and he says, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have, what I have is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings redemption, deliverance, salvation, and I'm going to give that to you. I, I have faith in Jesus Christ to work miracles and to save. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk and Something about that guy, something about the way Peter said it, something about what the Holy Spirit was doing in that moment, that guy believed what Peter said. And he stood up and he walked. And I I am completely confident that, confident that it could have stopped right there and nothing else happened and Peter would have had a great day. Because what does Peter do every day? They go together, they... Uh, talk about the apostles teaching they have the breaking of bread they have prayer they have this time together and sometimes peter's shadow falls on somebody and somebody gets healed and that is great because god cares for them and god is showing off and entering their life and bringing salvation but this became a crowd all kinds of people saw what had happened they knew that this group that there were miracles that were happening among them and that it was just some pretty wild stuff was happening. When Peter saw it, he addressed the people. So this crowd forms around them, and this is another chance for Peter to stand up and to talk. Remember, the same thing happened on Pentecost. They were all together, and they were praying. And as they were praying together, the Holy Spirit came and moved and worked among them. And a crowd formed. And the crowd said, these guys are all drunk. And Peter got up and said, everybody, these guys aren't drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit. Next week, we're going to dive in and we're going to talk about what Peter got up and said in Acts 3. Remember, there's 24 speeches in the book of Acts. And there's a whole lot of action in between all those speeches. Maybe that's what we'll do. Maybe we'll do speech and action, speech and action. But, um, oh no, I won't be here next week. Two weeks. Oh, cliffhanger. Uh, There are times when God wants to do something that's really visible. Sometimes he wants to do things that are really invisible. And that you yourself... You might be the one doing it, and you don't even know that God's doing it through you, and that God's working His Holy Spirit in you. And other times, there's stuff that you do, and, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Now, I have 50 people looking at me, ready for me to talk, right? Um, and the Holy Spirit is working through you in those. He does both, and he, he loves those people so much, and He loves you so much, that He loves to do, he loves to do these things. So... We'll talk about Peter in two weeks. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you just for healing this one guy. There were, gosh, there were probably a dozen beggars sitting there begging. And um, for some odd reason, that, that one guy is the one that got healed. So we praise you and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. That there are so many ways that the Apostles' teaching has been carried down to us 2,000 years later. That we can learn from it, that we can talk about it, that we can share it. And yes, Lord, we praise you for giving your Holy Spirit. For giving your Holy Spirit to work in us, to work miracles, to to do healings, to to bring um, forgiveness in our hearts towards other people. To to take away our shame and our pain, all the different ways that your Holy Spirit works. I pray that you would confirm all of that in us this week, that you would move in invisible ways and in invisible ways, and that you would build up your church, Lord, and build your kingdom. We praise you and we thank you, Lord. Amen. All right.